Your struggle is over. I declare that now. I'm not saying that the world isn't going to have problems and situations aren't going to arise. I'm talking about this thing you've been dealing with for many years. This thing is broken as revelation or light begins to shine in darkness over you today. You just go ahead and shout about it right now and get your deliverance. Last week we talked a little bit about the struggle and how the struggle doesn't define you. It's not meant to define you. It's meant to refine you. It makes you better. So that sickness that you've been enduring is not your identity. I got to say that one more time. That sickness you're going through is not your identity. The trial you've been in is not your identity. The disappointment is not your identity. That divorce you went through is not your identity. That job you're having troubles with is not your identity. Don't let the struggle you've been in become who you are. If any man, the Bible says, be in Christ, he is a new creation. I'm going to say that one more time. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the word creation, if you become a new creation, that word, you become a, that word means you become a new species of being. And we're going to talk about that today. There's never been anybody like you ever on planet Earth. You're something special, especially if you've been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 7, says this. And we talked a little bit about this on, even on Thursday night. We talked about this in our message. It says this. It says, but we have this treasure, this special thing, this valuable thing in earthen vessels. This is our earthen vessel. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Watch this, what Paul said. We are hard-pressed on every side. That's the fact. But the truth is, yet not crushed. The fact is, we are perplexed. But the truth is, but we're not in despair. The facts are, we've been persecuted. Right now, the church is again coming under persecution. And now, it's always been under persecution, but it seems like lately even more than ever, it's been in the news, it's been under persecution. And I want to say whatever your, I don't know what your political uh, preferences are, but I want to say thank you, Mr. President, for calling the church essential. God bless you, and God bless America. Somebody from the highest office had to stand up and start saying, the church is valuable. I, I don't think you heard me. I said, the church is valuable. And we will be back. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Persecution from all the different sides. Well, if you go back to church, we're going to close you down. All the anger and, and fear mongering and hate and all that stuff. And I get we got to take precautions and all that's necessary. But I'm here to tell you there's something greater going on than this. The enemy wants to stop what God had planned. But he, I'm going to tell you what, the God, what God spoke to me. He said, I laugh at their plans. I heard what they said, and I laugh at their plans. God's got a greater essential plan that will be carried out in the days ahead. So, yes, persecution comes, but here's the truth. We are not forsaken. We've been struck down. That's the fact. But we are not destroyed. That's the truth. In other words, I lost my job, but I'm not broke. Come on, somebody. I might be down, but I'm not discouraged. I might be young, but I'm not stupid. I might be old, but I'm not done yet. Somebody shout, I'm not done yet. Let me make this statement. You are only as good as what you have been challenged to become. You're only as good as what you've been challenged to become. The struggle you've been going through will challenge you to be extraordinary or extraordinary. I don't want to just be ordinary. I want to be extra. Just touch the person next to you and say, 
we already knew you were a little extra. You were just a little extra. I want, so what you're going through, what you're going through is actually the challenge that's making you better. That's making you extraordinary. I thought about that. I've been thinking about this a lot. Oprah Winfrey, I don't, no one even talks or says Winfrey anymore. They just call it Oprah. And then they go just, oh, oh. Everybody goes, we know who O is. I mean, you, you're pretty popular when people just, you just say, oh, and they go, oh, that's Oprah. That's Oprah right there, the old network and all that stuff, right? She is probably one of the most well-known people on the planet. Over 7 billion people on the planet. Did you know that Oprah Winfrey grew up right here in good old Milwaukee? Just a girl from the other side of the tracks who'd been beaten up by life, who was molested her whole childhood by her uncle, by a cousin, and by a friend of the family. All odds against her. No money, no real abilities that anybody knew about. Obviously, God knew. But she had a purpose. Then she runs away from home, becomes pregnant. And at 14 years of age, she gives birth. 14 years old, she gives birth. She is like a two-time, three-time loser here. All the strikes are against her. Molested. Wrong side of the tracks. Probably the wrong color of skin to make it in America. And she's pregnant at 14 years old. And then her child, her son, dies to make it worse. But something in her said, this, this is not my life. I'm not going to identify with my pain. I choose to identify with my purpose. And everybody on planet Earth pretty much knows Oprah Winfrey, who became the first woman billionaire in America and is one of the most well-respected people on the planet. And all this person grew up, this person did was grow up in Milwaukee and be molested and hurt. She made a decision. Her purpose was higher than her pain. And I'm here to tell you what you're going through is but a bleep on the screen. It's just a bump in the road. It's not who you are. Your purpose is far greater than that. Look what it says in Genesis 1, 26. And this is where our identity was shaped, right here in Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and everything that creeps uh, on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything that moves on the earth. There's so much in this. I've been preaching this for 30 years. There's so much in this. Chalked full of revelation. But this is the beginning point of who we are as a species, as a person, as a human being. First, I want you to notice that God blessed them. And then he spoke to them. And there's been teaching about this, what I really appreciate, that when you speak, you exhale. So you breathe. And when you breathe, come on, you're breathing words of life is what God did. He breathed in man the breath of life, the Bible says, and man became a speaking or a, or a creative being just like God. He created man in his image, in his likeness, then gives man his purpose and his assignment. And man was happy. Man was excited. But Adam and Eve were ecstatic. Why? Because they were working with God side by side, and they knew who they were, and they knew their assignment, and they knew their purpose.
have dominion and multiply and subdue. This is who you are. I feel like prophesying right now. I'm here to tell you right now, we're coming into that day again where the Edenic covenant is coming back in the Garden of Eden, not the Garden of Old, but the Garden of Eden that's inside of us where God has given us dominion and power and authority, where God says, subdue that devil, subdue Satan, subdue your circumstance, and know that you've been blessed to multiply. Not add, but multiply. Not add, but multiply. Everything's about to multiply in your life. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Because why? I made you just like myself. You've been made in my image. You've been made in my likeness. You look like me. This is old school, 1980 somewhere. But just turn to someone and say, you look marvelous. You look marvelous, right? Amen. Why? Because you look like God. And the Bible says you've been made in his image and his likeness. Image, likeness means to function like God. So whatever we see God doing the scriptures, we're supposed to be doing and he did what else? He blessed us. He ble- Write that down in the comments. Say, I'm blessed. Just put that in. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. The blessing causes us to overcome every struggle that we're currently going through right now. That's why I declared boldly early on and said, you're here. You're not meant to stay there. You're meant to pass through what you're going through. Right? Because the blessing causes you to overcome everything that you're, that you're currently going through. The, what is the definition of the blessing? It means this, it's the covenant of God, it's the power of God, it's the anointing of God, the covenant, the power, and the anointing of God that overrides the curse. And the curse, church, is what brings toil. The curse is what brings the struggle. So if you're working under the struggle, it's because you're working under the curse. And if you're under the curse, it's because it's because the blessing is not flowing through you. It's not because you've not been blessed. It's because you're not activated with your faith. Look, church, it's ridiculous to struggle against something you already have the victory over. Why would I want to struggle against something I've already I've already been I've been told I win? There's an incredible. Um, Look at this. I, there's a story I told I, when I went to receive my honorary doctorate. It was such an honor and privilege. And one of the people was given the commencement addresses, and an older woman, and she'd, she'd been in ministry for many years, and so she was blessing us and all of that. And so she gives this story, and it's never, it's never left me since, that this, this, this grandmother loved her grandson very much, and all his, life, all his life she took care of him financially and every other way. And it was time for him to go to, it was time for him to, go to college and, um, and so as a result of that, grandmother was going to help him out. And so thank God grandmother had a little money to help him out, right? And so um, she said, baby, anytime you need something, just let me know, and I'll make sure we get some, wire, some money wired to you, put in your bank account, and we'll, we'll take care of that. Well, thank you, grandmother. And so she would do that periodically. And then one day, um, you know, her grandson would call and say, well, grandma, I need this, or I need books, or I need food for money, or I need this and that. And she would do it. And then one day she decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. She said, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give him money and put it right straight in his bank account. And then what I'll do is I'll give him the bank account number, and then anytime he needs the money, he just draw it out of the account. You don't have to keep having to ask me. I'll just give it to him and put it straight into his account. And so she's old school, so she don't know nothing about social media. She don't know nothing about texting. You know, she don't like that impersonal stuff. So she writes him a letter, right? We used, kids, we used to do something called write letters, 
and you used your hand and you moved your fingers like this. And we actually wrote cursive. Does it, you guys remember cursive? And then we got a little bit older. We tried to do cursive and a little bit of the printing at the same time. You kind of mix it all together. But, but we used to be cursive, and you had to do it just right. Otherwise, that teacher would come by and say, you're doing it wrong, and you didn't do this loop high enough and all that. Anyways, moving right along. And so she said, I'm going to write him a letter and let him know that uh, he, I put money in his bank account, and he don't ask me anymore. When he needs it, just draw it. And here's the account information. Here's the bank, and here's the account information. And she mailed it. Well, she didn't hear back from him. She thought, well, that's just odd. That's odd. Normally you think he'd say thank you or something like that. But she let it go, whatever, maybe he's busy. Then one day she gets a, a phone call a few weeks later and says, it's her grandson. And her grandson says, uh, Grandma, uh, I, I don't want to bother you, but would it be possible if I could get a little money this week because I got this certain thing coming up and I really need it for school and, 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 and all that. And she said, well, honey, what do you mean? Why, why are you asking me this? She said, she, he said, well, I, I just, I, you know, I feel bad about asking, but I just want to know if you could. She goes, well, well, what happened? Did you use all the money I gave you? She, he goes, yeah, I, I did the last time you gave me X amount of money. She goes, no, no, baby. She goes, did you get my letter? He said, uh, yeah, I got the letter, but I hadn't had a chance to open it yet. Weeks had passed by. She goes, baby, why don't you open the letter? He opens the letter, reads it, and he goes, oh, my goodness. And she put up thousands of dollars in his bank account with all the information. She said, all you had to do was read my letter, and I would have showed you how you get access to the money you need. That'll preach right there, y'all. All you got to do is get God's letter, his Bible, come on, his word, and find out you'll have access to whatever you need from him. Come on! In other words, in other words, that man already had authority. That young man already had victory in that area. He just didn't know it. And people, most people, God's people, don't take the time to find out for themselves what God's actually already promised them. Here in Genesis, God literally reproduced himself. Made in his image. I made man and woman in my image and in my likeness. Man and woman. Get a load of that one. Man and woman. I can't explain that, but I just know women come from God just as much as men come from God. Because there's no sex identity with God. We're just made like him. Left brain, right brain. Right brain, left brain. Sometimes it get hard to get along, some, but God says, I'm both. I, I operate in both realms. The blessing that was given to Adam and Eve was to continue the work of creation. That was a blessing. The blessing is the same power that God used to create everything. The blessing was on God. I used it to do all this expanse, to build all these things, the universe is everything you have in front of you, Adam. And now I pass that blessing, that power, that covenant, that access onto you. It's here that God passed on to man, catch this, his very nature. The nature of God exists in you. There is divinity in you. That's so vitally important for you to understand to live extraordinary, to get through the struggles in your life. Because if you only see your man nature, you will only see your fallen nature. You will only see your limitations. But when you see your God nature, that you've been made to be like him and divinity and to rule and to reign the earth like he rules and reigns heaven. Having the nature of God is a revelation that God's people have to receive. We are a reproduction of God 
on planet earth. I take nothing away from his supreme being. I take nothing away from him. He is the most high God. Ain't nobody like him. You couldn't, in your best day, you couldn't, you couldn't come close to who he really is. But now I'm going to say this to you. Church, if an animal reproduces itself, we would say it's in the animal class. If a bug reproduces itself, we would say it's in the insect class. If God, here we go, reproduces himself, then wouldn't that make us in the God class? My son, is, his name is Nick Pruitt. His daughter's name is Amiel. Amiel Rose Pruitt. Okay? Now, I'm before my son, and I'm before my granddaughter. Watch this. But they're just as much a Pruitt as I am. But they are not me. I'm still dad. I'm still grandpa. I'm actually calling me pops. I'm pops, right? So I have authority that's higher than theirs. But they're in the same class. They're still my family. They still bear my name. Oh, y'all didn't want to hear that. We as believers are to be Christ-like. Why does the Bible say be Christ-like if we're not supposed to be Christ-like? Have you ever thought about that? We're supposed to be like Jesus, right? As he is in the world, the Bible says, so are we. So we come in his authority. We're ambassadors of Christ. In other words, we stand in the office of Christ on earth. He was the first begotten of the Father. And now all those who are in Christ are a new creation. I, I, I want to run, but I, the camera won't be able to follow me. We're a new creation in Christ. We're a new species of being. We now stand in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ on planet Earth. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But that then gives us a responsibility because everywhere we go now, we're responsible to be like God. We represent God in the earth. How are you going to represent God when you're so angry in traffic? It's F this and F that and move the F out of the way. You act just like the rest of the world. You have no authority. You have no dominion. You're not acting like your father in heaven. You're, heavenly father. you're acting like your father the devil. Who is a fallen one? Somebody say amen. Which appeals to your what? Your fallen nature. The word says, be imitators of God as dear children. Well, why in the world would the Bible tell me to imitate God if it was wrong to imitate God? As what? As dear children. You know, you try to, you know, if you have a father, and I was fortunate to have a father in my life who was a good man, is a good man, and I was able, I wanted to imitate him. He was my hero growing up. He was my hero. Everything he did, I wanted to do. I, I, didn't, I thought my dad was the toughest guy ever, ever on planet Earth. He was five foot, whatever he was. My height, a little bit lower. And, but I, didn't, I thought he was seven foot tall. I didn't know. I didn't know. I idolized my dad. I wanted to walk like him. I wanted to talk like him. I wanted to be like my dad. Well, again, I was fortunate to have that in my life. But the truth is every young child wants to be like their father in some degree, right? Be imitators of God 
as their children. So a child looks up to their father. A child wants to be, if you're a woman, you want to be like your mother. You look up to the authority that's in your life. And the truth is, Satan is fighting the revelation of who you really are. He's trying to keep that information from you. Why? Because he knows that you will be limited if you believe that you're not like God. You'll be limited in what you can receive from God. If you believe in the wrong identity, you just believe in your natural abilities, your natural talents, your natural family genealogy and all that, then you're limited with what you can receive from God. That's exactly what happened with the children of Israel. That's exactly what happened with it. And God said, I want you to go in now and start taking over these cities and all this stuff. And they sent all spies into the land. I don't even know if, I don't remember if God told them to do that or not. I don't think he did. But they sent out spies in the land. You go spy out the land, 12 of them, 10 of them come back and say, no way, uh-uh, we ain't going to go, we ain't going to do this. Two said we can do it. Jacob and, Ke- uh, Josh, uh, Jacob and, um, and um, who was it? It was Joshua and Caleb said, that, said, we can do this. We're well able. But 10 came back and they had a bad report, an evil report, and said, we are not able. Why? Watch this. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. They saw themselves lower than what God said they could have. The reason why you don't get that next job level, you don't see yourself in the next. You're hoping, but you don't see it. The Bible says that generation could not move into the promised land. They all died in the wilderness because they could not believe it. They couldn't see it, and therefore they missed their inheritance. Why? All do because they had the wrong identity. They saw themselves as small. God saw themselves as them, them as great. The real struggle is not what you're going through. The real struggle is not your mother-in-law, your father-in-law. The real struggle isn't the, your boss. The real struggle is not President Trump. The real struggle is not the city government. The real struggle is not your husband or your wife or your circumstances. The real struggle is over your identity. You don't know who you are. But when you know who you are and you know that you're a king's king, you know that you're a king under the king. Come on, somebody. In other words, you know that you carry the authority of God Almighty on the earth. You don't put up with nothing. And... You ain't got to try to get retribution with nobody. You don't have to try to get back with anybody. You just stand in your stead, smile and say, it's all going to be all right. Why? I know I'm a child of the king. People say all the time, I'll just never get over this situation. I'll never get over what happened to me. But the Bible says that you are an overcomer. I'll, I'll, I'll just never defeat this thing in my life. I'll never defeat it. Yet the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. Your confession needs to be, your confession needs to be, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. On Thursday, I'm teaching a message, and this message is, is uh, very powerful. You need to get, the, get, get it. If you haven't got it yet, go ahead and get, tune in and find it on Facebook or YouTube or wherever. And um, talking about this, about giving your, giving your future a voice and the, the law of confession. We call it a law because a law is like gra- the law of gravity is very simple. 
If I jump off the platform, I hit the ground. Why? Because it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how old I am, the color of my skin, doesn't matter how much education I have, doesn't matter how much I weigh. If I jump off the platform, I will fall like everybody else on this platform will do the same thing. Why? The law of gravity. What makes it a law? It is a predictable principle that works every single time. Confession, what you speak over your life is a predictable principle that works every single time. I don't believe in that confession, that name it, claim it, blab it, grab it stuff. That's not for me. Yes, that's what I said. Amen. And they say, that's not for me. Well, the truth is you can't be born again then. The Bible says what one believes with the heart and the righteous, but with the mouth, confession, confession is made unto salvation. You must confess the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word confession is the word homologio, two words, homologio. Homo mean the same, logo, logo, logio meaning logo, which means the word of God or the written word. So we speak what God has said, the same as what God has said. And when you speak the word of God, I can do all things through Christ when you're in the middle of a crisis. But when you speak those words, it sends forth life and the creative power of God to take dominion over your circumstances. That's how I know the struggle is over today. But it's contingent on you speaking and declaring in faith. All right, let's look real quick at Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 23. It says, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. I'm so glad that I came to Jesus Christ all those years ago. And my, my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life, which means my name is registered in heaven. Same with you. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the just men made perfect. Jesus, church, Jesus is referred to as the firstborn here. But notice that we, the church, are also being referred to here as the firstborn. This is important. Why is this important? Because the Bible says that we are heirs to God's throne and we are joint heirs with Christ. So whatever the Father promised Jesus, he says, I made a joint account. The same promise goes to my people. We are joint heirs with Christ. So if, in fact, Jesus is the first begotten of the Father, then he says the church is also the first begotten of the Father. And whatever God promised Jesus, God promises us. Why is this important? Because once you see yourself for who you really are, it will affect how you act. I went to a, a conference years ago, and, and I was supposed to go with some, with some people, and I, I ended up having to go by myself. I was in Arizona. And I knew um, a handful of the people that were there. I knew the group, um, but I personally knew a handful of the people that were there. And so you know how it is when you walk into a room uh, that has a lot of people. There's probably a thousand people or so, and I'm looking around the room. I'm trying to find out who I know. Why? Because the human nature is I want to fit in, right? Y'all looking at me through that screen right now, like I don't know. Like how would you? How you just do the same thing? You walk into a new church, and first thing you do, you say, mm, "I'm brown, so I'm gonna look where the brown people. Where are the brown people at? I'm white. Let me look." You all, everybody does it. That's the first thing we want to do. We want to know how we can fit. Am. They're giggling because they know it's true. Amen. My point to you is this, is I'm looking around the room, and I see a few people I knew, but they were busy talking to other people, and I couldn't get to them. And the meeting's about to start, and I don't know where to sit. There's banquet tables all over the place, 
And um, I remember what Jesus said, don't go to the front of the room. Whatever you do, don't go to the front of the room. Because you go to the front of the room, they might ask you to leave because you're not supposed to be there. And they'll put you in the back of the room. So it's best to go to the back of the room and maybe you get called up to the front of the room. I really heard that. I felt like, I'm going to do that. So I didn't know where to sit. So uh, I wasn't going to sit in the front because I just heard the Lord say, don't sit in the front. So I didn't, I'm going to sit in the front. And so I'll be honest with you. I had a little bit of a panic attack. I didn't know where to go. So I ended up going. I thought, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm just going to leave. I don't, I don't know. Where to, I don't know. Where to, I felt like I was going to school in a different city for the very first time as a 14-year-old kid. I felt so stupid. I'm thinking, this is just dumb. But I, I didn't feel like I fit. So I thought, well, I'm talking myself down. So I'll go in the bathroom. Y'all know you can have great conversations in the bathroom. I went into a stall. I started saying, come on, Prue, what's your problem? You're a man of God. Quit acting like this. Go back in there and find a seat and sit down. So I go back in there. I didn't want to go back in there. I felt stupid. I felt out of place. Now, not only do I feel like I don't fit in, I feel like I stand out in a bad way. So, um, so anyways, everybody seemed like they got friends but me. So I look around the room. I go, well, I'll sit right here in the back room. Jesus said, go to the back. So I go to the back. I sat down in the back all by my lonesome. Everybody else was having a little meal. And I didn't want to do that. So I sat down at this round table by myself in the back of the room. And I started going, Lord, I don't want to be here. Why am I here? You know, I feel, start feeling self-conscious. I feel, feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm standing out here. I, like, you know, I didn't know how to act because I forgot who I really was. You see where I'm going with this? I didn't, for, for, for a moment, I, I, I let it just go out the window. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and I start getting into the, everybody's talking about it from the platform, they're getting things ready, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, I'm just going to have a good time, no matter what. All of a sudden, here comes Phil Muncy. Phil Muncy is Steve Muncy's brother. If you don't know who he is, he's the second man to Joel Olstein. And um, he's the one that sets up all the conferences. He does all the pastors. He's an incredible man of God. Been around forever. He um, sees me and all of a sudden goes, Jeff Pruitt. Hey, everybody. Jeff Pruitt's here. Like, I'm somebody. I didn't know he would even come to me like that. And we've known each other for years. But he didn't hesitate. He goes, I'm sitting with you. Next thing you know, he comes. He starts calling people over. Calls another very prominent pastor over. This is Jeff Pruitt. Next thing you know, I'm in the middle of all these people, and they want to hear what I got to say. Because Phil Muncy goes, he's at the time, it was like 2003. He said, he said, he's the only pastor I know that has two locations and is doing it successfully. Hey, Jeff, tell us how you're doing it. God, in that moment, reminded me, always remember who you are. Not in pride. But just know I've got you on assignment wherever I put you. There is a purpose for you. You always fit in to the plan of God. But you will not know how to act if you forget who you really truly are. Amen. So if you see yourself as insignificant, just barely tolerated by God, it affects your decisions, which affects your planning, which affects what you will receive. Ma'am? That's why you keep ending up with a man who doesn't truly love you because you don't truly love yourself. You don't know who you are. Sir, that's why you keep ending up with a woman that you have every single time who won't respect you. Why? Because you won't respect yourself. You don't know who you really are. And if you receive the wrong image of who you are, it will affect your decisions, which affects your planning, which will affect your, how you receive in life. Then you start putting up with things because you think that's what you're supposed to do. That's why you choose wrong because, I, you know, I'm getting old. 
My biological clock is starting to tick here. Who cares? I would rather not have one child in this life than have a miserable marriage or a miserable relationship. Why bring another child into the world with not another parent to help them out? I'm preaching better than you want to shout. And I love all my single parents, but they'll tell you the same thing. They would stand here with a lot more fervor than I'm standing here. I'll tell you that. So many are on the search for significance, and it leads them in the wrong direction. Why? Because they, they, they have a broken identity compass. They don't know what north, south, east, and west is. They don't know where to go. You know what I found out? In maps, you have maps, the app, the maps app. They always want to know where you start out. And sometimes now, they, they, they just, it just tells you where you start, they, they, anywhere you are in the country. And it will just say, it'll say directions from here. So if I want to get from here to Chicago, it'll say directions from here. You got to go, uh, what is it? You'll be going what, uh, north, what is it? Uh, on south, on, on I-94, and you will get to Chicago in an hour and 10 minutes, whatever it's going to be, right? Okay, so, so it actually gives me an ETA. It gives me my earliest time of arrival, right? But it, it's, it's because it knows where I'm starting from. If you don't know where you're starting from, how will you know when you ever get there? Here's a good starting point. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him... Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. That's a revelation that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. You did not, you could not earn your salvation. Why? Because you've known sin. But Jesus knew no sin. Tempted in all points, like unto man. So in other words, I'm not dealing with my righteousness, my right standingness. I'm dealing with his righteousness, his right standing. Because you say, well, I don't feel like, I don't feel righteous. I don't feel holy because I sin. Well, join the club. If we went by feelings, we'd all be going to hell. If you woke up and said, the Bible says, and if you feel unrighteous today, you're definitely going to hell. Everybody be going to hell. Nobody feels righteous because we know, for being honest, we know unless you're a self-righteous person, we know you're going to hell for sure. I'm just kidding. Amen. You, gotta for, you guys got to forgive you. But the truth is, the truth is, I should not have said that. I'm going to get an angry email. But the truth is, is that nobody actually feels holy on our best day. Do you? I don't. I know I got attitude problems. I know I got sin issues. I know I got anger issues. I know all that kind of stuff. I know I miss the mark every single day of my life. You might not hear a preacher say that to you, but I'm telling you, this preacher sins. But I do thank God that the Bible says if I, am, if I'm, if I will confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and what? Cleanse me from all unrighteousness, all unright standingness. Bible also tells me there is, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The enemy wants you to be condemned. And it gets you to be condemned because you don't recognize that you're already made righteous. Look what it says here. Unless I didn't get the scripture right. I think I already said it. But bottom line is this. Did I ever say the scripture? Because I don't want to miss it. Yes. 2 Corinthians 5.21, just to repeat this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So I become righteous because I'm in him. Most people need to feel okay with God 
before they'll believe that he'll answer their prayer. I need to feel I'm right. If I'm not right with you, then I don't think you can hear me. And if you can't hear me, then you can't answer my prayer. But righteousness is not hinged on what I've done or what I feel, but on what he has already done. That's why the Bible says, awake to righteousness. Because if I wake to righteousness, in other words, I have a revelation of his righteousness. The Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. That's New Testament. So I quit sinning when I recognize who I am. I've been made right by God. Isaiah 32, 17 says, the work of righteousness will be peace. So when I understand my right standingness with God, it brings peace. And the effect of right standingness, quietness it brings, and assurance forever. That word assurance means confidence. Write that down in the, in the comments. I'm confident. I'm confident. Assurance means confidence. In other words, I've even noticed it with the praise team. Y'all will notice this too. If you know a song, and you really know your part well, have you ever noticed that something happens to you? A confidence comes on you. Have you also ever noticed that the more confident you are, the easier the anointing can flow through you? But when you're not confident, you don't have faith for that, what happens? You start getting all up in your head. Same is true for you. So God tells you to do something, but when you don't have confidence, it's hard, man, for the anointing, the breakthrough, the flow through your life. It's difficult. If you don't know who you are, how are you ever going to get that raise on your job? How are you ever going to have a great marriage? Think about this for a second, because we need the confidence of righteousness, that we've been made right. I can't earn it, man. It would cost me. I could never pay for it. I can't work for it because I don't have enough time on planet Earth to work for that capacity of right standingness with God. But look what it says in 1 John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, which is what? His word. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That is the confidence. When you pray, he hears you. I think we ought to take this next week and begin to fast and pray for the, this weekend, come on, this weekend service, because this is Pentecost. We're moving into a new time. God's about to do something new on planet Earth. It's going to begin this weekend coming up, and it's going to continue going forward. But we need to, we need to be praying about this thing. He hears us when we pray. Why? Because we know we're in right standingness with the Almighty. But boy, when you don't know you're right, you head for them trees. Adam. As soon as he knew he wasn't right, he's out of the garden. He, he leaves his place of authority. He loses, he loses his position and he hides amongst the trees because he's no longer in right standingness with God. When you're in right standing this with your landlord, I notice something. And you've been paying your bill on time, your rent. If there's one little leak, boy, and that doo -doo -doo -doo, it, the landlord, I need that leak to fix. We gonna get here. Well, you know, I got. I know you got. I'm a, I'm a paying tenant here, and I need you to come this today because I don't want any more. I can't put another bucket over there today. I need that thing to be fixed. All right, we'll see what we can do. Right? You put a little pressure on them because you know that you're right with him. But boy, you miss a payment. You see his car pull in the driveway. 
It's like, kids, get in the back room. Shut the curtains. Shut the blinds. Shut up. I said, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Right? Don't say nothing. And you don't even breathe, right? And here's the landlord knocking on the door. And boy, you don't move a muscle till he's gone, right? Why do you hide? Why are you in the trees? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Why? Because you're no longer in right standing with the landlord. Now, who pays the bills around here in the spiritual sense? Jesus paid the bills. So I stand in him. And I go to the Father and say, Lord, you knew before this all started, when I gave my life to you, I wasn't going to be right all the time in myself. But because of your son's sacrifice and because of his blood, I ask you, forgive me. Release me from it. I repent in Jesus' name. And he begins to absolve all your sin and makes everything right. So now you don't run and hide from God. You run to God because you know he's got your answers. Answers. Am I right about this?